I want to jump straight in. Time goes so quickly. <laughs> um, if you turn to John chapter 13, John chapter 13 and verse 36, this is the what we call the upper room before he goes through his sufferings. Um, it's, it would be better if we called it the, the room on the roof because it was not an upper room. It was a tent on top of the roof, and that was common in those days. And if you had a party, well, there's plenty of room on the roof if you have a tent up there. And in that, that takes in chapter 13 all the way to chapter 17. But here in chapter 13, right at the beginning, verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answers, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Now, Somebody back in 1200 put in chapters. You do know the chapters are not there. I mean, it's not part of the word of God. The chapters are there for convenience. But sometimes they got it all wrong. This is one of them. Let's read it as it read in the original manuscript. Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. But do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. End of chapter 13. The do not let your heart be troubled was spoken directly to Peter and then to the others. But it was Peter that had received the terrible news, devastating news, that he will deny that he ever knew Jesus before dawn of the next day. Um, Peter. So everybody relates to Peter. Um, he's a blustering fellow. Um, and, and there's been this time in this tent on the roof uh, where Jesus had been desperately troubled and upset and then says, one of you will betray me. And everyone looks at each other. They are a band of buddies, and they've been following Jesus for these last three years. And now he says one of them will betray him. It's beyond their comprehension. And Peter, who appears to be sitting on that side of the table, and John is on this side of the table right next to Jesus, and Peter mouths it to cross the table. Who is he? Who is he talking about? And so John, leaning against Jesus, said, who are you talking about? And there came the one that I dip the bread in the stew and give it to, that's the one. I won't even go there, that's another story. But um, it was that atmosphere, one of you will betray me. A and it begins to stir them up. Well, it's not me. I could never do that. I could never do that. 
and then Peter. And if you read how Matthew puts it, and then Mark, they all write this piece in their Gospels, but they each come at it a different way, and each one remembers something else. And if you read the whole, everyone, each one of them said and put it all together, Peter is is being really mean because he says, looking around the table, he says, well, all of you may deny him and walk out on him, but I would never do that. I would go to death for him. Uh, He's not only making a boast to Jesus, but in so doing, he's demeaning everybody else at the table and and saying, "You're, you're a bunch of wimps. I know you, and you'll just walk away from him, but I would never do it. Whoever he's talking about, it sure isn't me. Yeah. (laughs) He's made an enemy of everybody at the table. He stands and compares himself to them in the most arrogant, braggadocious way. And then he says it directly to Jesus. You know, I, I would never, I would never leave you. I will go with you to death if necessary. And Jesus responds, no frills about it, just, oh, Simon, Simon. Now, that's interesting, Simon, Simon. He hasn't been called Simon in months. Simon was his his sort of given name. And and Simon, um, aptly, the word in the Hebrew means shifting sand, it's like getting your feet in mud and it sucks it out. Um, Simon, shifty one. Um, I don't know how he got that name. but um, And when Jesus met him, if you remember, he says, you're Simon, but I, I'm calling you Peter. And Peter means the very opposite. It means a solid rock. And, and, and so, but now... Jesus reverts and goes all the way back and calls him Simon, Simon. Here we are, boasting, telling everybody how great you are in your devotion to me. But the truth is, you're just weak, sifting sand. That's all you are. And he says those terrible words, that before you hear the rooster crow, you will have denied me three times. Now, you've got to get into Peter's head. I mean... Um, we, we've just read it, yeah, Jesus said he would deny him, and he did, and so let's get on with the story. Hold it. Can you imagine sitting here? I mean, there's more here than we're sitting in that rooftop room. But supposing I just said, before Monday morning, some of you will be so ashamed of me that you will deny you ever knew me, and one of you will betray me to the federal police. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and now Peter has been identified. Judas wasn't identified. He got a, away without being publicly shamed at that point. But Peter is publicly identified as the one who's going to deny him. This is shocking. I can almost feel his gut wrenching as he hears the words. Not me. And, and he contradicts Jesus. He says, no, you've got it wrong. I, 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 and he repeats it. No. But the others are thrown into turmoil because Peter, like him or not, he was the recognized leader. It was just in him. He, he, and, and he was the oldest. I don't want to get into that. 
but we've talked about it before, the disciples were teenagers. Um, that, that's what rabbis did in those days. They collected 12-year-olds, 13, 14, and they became, they, they were taught how to be rabbis. And that's what Jesus did. But Peter had a wife. You were not allowed to have a wife until you were 18. And so Peter was the oldest one, and he had a wife. It's possible also Judas was older because he was an accountant, and um, you get the picture. But the, So they looked to Peter. He's the oldest. He's just by the way he talks and leads. He's our leader. If he's going down, if Peter's going to deny him, so help me, where do I stand? Um, I, I don't stand a chance. And so there's this ripple going through the, the disciples. Um, he's exposed. Peter is exposed. That's the word, exposed. Because I, I, I like Peter in many ways because when he says what he says, he's not making it up. He really means it. He's a very sincere fellow. He really means it. This is his he's speaking from the, the only heart he knows. But the trouble is all his words really were like the froth on the top of the waves. You know, it just bubbles. Uh, there's no substance to it. He could say the words. He said them with passion. That was Peter. He never said anything, you know, with a yawn. He He was always passionate. And he says it with plenty of bubble and froth and but um no it's coming out that there's no substance to it i'm sorry peter the only strength you have is in your imagination and jesus took off his mask right there at the table and and i think that was necessary because of the way he had demeaned everybody else he needs to face this he's exposed then Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Now that's the word. I could try to get inside Peter's head as to what was going on when he hears this terrible news. But Jesus gave the word to it. Let not your heart be troubled. It's a word you'll find in more than one place in the New Testament. But let me quickly, what does it mean? It actually means water that's been all stirred or roiled up. i tell you the time it's used um, where, do you remember the pool of Bethsaida, where, when the, the water was stirred when an angel allegedly came to the water. Do you remember that? The water would... Well, that word is used there. That, that's the water was stirred. It's if you put water on the stove and you watch it boil... And, and and there's a rolling boil, and the whole water inside the saucepan is going from side to side. That that's it's stirred, it's boiling. Um, when you put water in the coffee pot, and, and you know it's a percolating, and you know, you know, and and you feel the very water is being, it's very guts of the water is being shut up and shut down again. That's this word, troubled. It's trouble, stirring. It means I am deeply disturbed. I'm upset. I don't know what to do. It's churning inside of me. 
just when I think I can handle it, off it goes in another direction. It means I, at my, my core, I'm restless. I, I can't, I can't enjoy any other conversation because I, this is going on inside of me. I don't know what to do. Agitation will be another good word to describe it. But, but it, it's not just a happening. This is mental. It's got a hold of your head and you can't think straight. Certainly it's got hold of your emotions. You're all over the place. Maybe if I said the word is the exact opposite of still. Be still and know I am God. That's the opposite of this word. Um, the peace of God that passes human understanding. That's the opposite of this word. Okay? Trouble. But of course you've got to add to that. I mean, that's bad enough. But you've got to add to that shame because you've been exposed now. And and really, it didn't have to be exposed to everybody. It could be that you're exposed to yourself. You've You've come... You've actually come to see yourself that it's an ugly sight. I see myself. I'm going to deny him. It's I'm self-condemned. All I thought I was, all I believed I was, and all I believed that he believed I was. But he knows me better than I know myself. And, and so I feel condemned. I don't know what he's going to do with me now. I'm, I'm shamed in front of these others. These younger guys, I'm shamed in front of them. I've let them down because trouble. And let not your heart be troubled. Um, I don't want to push it too far. But he he didn't say now consider trouble. Um, troubled means it's now happening. Trouble is now happening. You are troubled. You can talk about trouble, but that's abstract. And it's not affecting me right now. I can just talk about it. No, he wasn't talking about it. It was happening. Peter was churning inside. He was like a pot of boiling water, and he didn't know what to do with himself. And it's spilling over to the others. They were all troubled. Self-confidence, self-sufficiency. That's Peter. Listen, give the impression, I'm in control here. But now suddenly with these words of Jesus, he's been, it's like, have you ever stood on the edge of a precipice and you've looked down? Um, I was going through the Rocky Mountains, you know, over to Canada, in Canada, British Columbia. Have you ever been to Whistler there? Doesn't matter. But um, you, you, the road which is a very pathetic excuse for a road, which is way, way. You look over and it just goes down, down, down until you you can't see the bottom really. And there you see seagulls flying way down there. But worse than that, there are clouds underneath you. There is a, is a well, for the likes of me, that paralyzes me. I, I'm terrible with heights and um, stand there and, what are you going to do? You, you back away because you can't bear looking down. And Peter has suddenly looked into the abyss of his own helplessness. Talk about being terrified of heights. He feels he's been sucked down into a yawning darkness. Utter weakness. Dear God, who am I? 
my bragging words, my swaggering boast, and my, the disguise. We're talking about Peter in fig leaves. You know, you say enough words, you, you say them with enough passion and let people believe I believe this, and the real frightened little man inside is now covered in fig leaves. And Jesus had gently, he was gentle. He didn't come on like a judge. It was love that just said, Peter, Peter, let me show you who you are. And he stripped away the fig leaves. And the same, exact same as Adam and Eve, Peter felt naked. He's been exposed. I, I, I want you to feel this. This is... Because there are times, and I say this very carefully, I believe every one of us have stood right there. I, I go even further to say, until you've been right there, you never know what the gospel really is. You've got a religious counterfeit. You stood there. Have you ever felt the words? And I say felt the words. You might not have said them. I am not. Uh, all the rest, you know, the, and many times we say, I am not, I never was. It's all been a game. It's all been showed. There's nothing. on. And look into the future. I never will be. Do you know what I mean by self-loathing? You know, have you ever hated yourself? Self-disgust. And along with it, there's fear. But the fear is the fear of myself. Have you ever been afraid of yourself? You, you've, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And you, you're putting down any idea I can't. No, I can do it. And then the Holy Spirit speaks the truth. And you see yourself. And with that... There's fear, and there's fear of myself. I don't trust myself. I'm afraid of my own failures. He's silent, at least for a while. He's silent because well, Peter has finally been shut up. <laughs> it's too late. It's too late to make more promises, except into your beard, and just, you know, hope no one hears me, but. You know, I'm going to, this is, this is Peter, too late to make promises. Because when, when they get to the Garden of Gethsemane, the poor Peter, he, he's going to make a last show of it. See, I told you so, and he gets out a sword. What, what is a disciple of Jesus doing with a sword? I don't know, but he gets it out. And I'm going to show you, there were 6,000 Roman soldiers there, and, and Peter stands with a sword. I'll show you, Jesus. And he hacks off somebody's ear. And I think that's because he, he wasn't a soldier. He was a fisherman. So he uses a sword like a fishing rod and, and hacks, off, hacks off the guy's ear. Oh, Jesus said, Peter, put away your sword, for goodness sake. You know, no. It, it, it's pierced his heart. And Jesus didn't say to Peter... Now, you know what I'm telling you, I'm warning you, so now grit your teeth, try harder, be ready for this. Jesus didn't say that. 
He said, Peter, you will deny me. And, you know, comfort in it. But by the time dawn comes with the cry of the rooster, you will have denied me. I'm not telling you to try not to do it. I'm telling you the simple truth. That there's, I know you. And one little servant girl who has got no interest in what's going on at all, except Peter had a Galilean accent stronger than a Texas accent. I mean, where you go to New York and they say, I know where you come from. I remember I brought my dad over here and um, we were in the grocery store and, and the checker, you know, checking us out, turned to my dad and said, which part of England do you come from? And my dad says, how do you know I come from England? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your speech betrays you. And, and and the little girl in the house of the high priest had no interest in anything that was going on, except I recognize your accent, you must be... And Peter fell apart. Totally, utterly fell apart. And with curses, and I don't know the man. Jesus knew Peter. That was no surprise to Jesus. You will deny me. He would fall. And he would know the utter weakness of all his best intentions. He would know that all the promises he had made to himself and to God were based on Peter. I mean, I, I mean it. He, he's not getting a black mark for being a hypocrite. He means it. He believes it. But it's based on weakness. He can't do it. Double down on your strength. Get all prepared. I know when it's going to happen. I know when I'm going to be tempted. And you're, you're strong until, bam. Servant girl says the words and you're finished. It's Peter. It's us. Yeah. But then Jesus kind of makes it worse. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Let not... That, that means don't allow it, refuse it, you know. If I told you, don't let that man in the door, right? You're going to disallow him, stand in the way. You're not going to let it. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Huh. He speaks directly to Peter, to our choices. See, we, he says, you, let not your heart be troubled. It's very important. We are not religious robots. And that's contrary to much that you might have heard being preached, but we're not religious robots. We are called to act, choose, you, you let not your heart be troubled, but... You're coming from somewhere else there. You're letting it not because you've seen something. Mm -hmm, exactly. And you've seen that it's not I, it's Christ. Mm -hmm. But at this point, Peter didn't see that. Mm -hmm. And therefore, let not only adds to the problem. Mm -hmm. The uh, mirror translation is, it, it turns it around to something super positive and says, set your troubled hearts at ease. Okay, 
Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> whether I say, let, disallow it, don't let it happen, or whether I say, now, I'm going to make the peace of God go, come. I can't do it either way. I can neither disallow it, nor can I produce the ease and the peace and the silence. I'm screwed. <laughs> I feel like saying to Jesus, are you crazy? I'm standing here looking down into an abyss. I'm dizzy. I'm about to fall in. And you say, I've got to do something. I, I don't want to. I don't want, I don't even want to think. I need a magician that can just wave a wand over me and take it all away and leave me with peace. I want to be in the bleachers and watch this played out and then I'll applaud. But don't bring me into it. You know, we are strange people because we're not only troubled when we look at ourselves and realize our own inadequacy, but also we're troubled when we see God's answer because God's answer brings us to a dimension that we've never been to before. You know, I, I can go to, to many programs, formulas, do this, don't do that, and get it all set straight. Um, but when it is truly the Holy Spirit, it is taking me somewhere beyond all formulas, beyond all 10, 12, 200 steps. I'm meeting with a living person who is going to change all of this. And, and it's interesting, when Jesus was walking on the water, and the, these same guys in the boat... Do you remember the story? Do you remember what it says? It says that they were troubled. Wow. Same word. See, Jesus walking on the water. I mean, the storm was bad enough. But Jesus walking on top of the storm made it even worse. And they screamed out, it's a ghost, it's a ghost, you know. Very typical. I, I find many people, and I, for more the years I've traveled, I've found this over and over and over again, that there are people who are in the first category troubled. But I find in the second category, when they see the real presence of Jesus and his actual activity in our lives, they're troubled. And they run out of the church. They don't want to come back again. They, they want a religion without the supernatural. They, they want a religion that essentially doesn't work. Just makes me feel good trying to do it. Hmm. No. Wow. <laughs> what must I do to let not my heart be troubled? Yeah, I thought you'd say that. <laughs> what must I do? That's <laughs> what must I do? What must I do? <laughs> See, really, my answer is nothing. But I'll explain that. When trouble is buzzing around you like a nest of African bees, mm -hmm. at that point, we abandon all hope in our own strength. Amen. Do it! Amen. Abandon hope in the strength of your willpower. Do it! And instead, said Jesus, trust in me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
better word there is trust. You trust God, trust me. Makes beautiful reading, doesn't it? And most people only know that because they read it at funerals. But this is dealing with the absolute guts of life. Do you realize to trust in him when your heart is troubled? Yikes. There is death there. I, I literally, I mean, unless you've been there, you won't know what I'm talking about. But it is at this point to relinquish control and to relinquish all my 10,000 plans that are buzzing along with everything else and just trust him, that, that brings about a death. I, I die to myself in a very deep way. I'm done. Can, can you say that, you know? Seriously, I'm done. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. I want to say I'll try. I, I am done. I have no strength left. I want to report that my flesh lied to me. I have no promises left to offer to God or man. I am now relinquishing all control over my life. It's over. I surrender. And even that was too easy for me to say. It's, this is, okay, have you thought of it like this? Just prior to this, earlier on in chapter 13, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. That's another message, but he is God with us. God is washing their feet. Get it. That was what the lowest servant of the house did, or the youngest child that could do anything. It was, well, just, I've said it, it's the lowest place in the house. The person who stood at the door, and as you came in, they would unbuckle your sandals and wash the dust off your feet. And Jesus just did that. He took off his outer garments and knelt down with the towel and washed their feet. In anybody's understanding, that means that God... now. God in Christ is kneeling at our feet to serve us. And Peter said, don't touch my feet. You'll never serve me. Ah, we're getting somewhere. Don't. Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Whoa. So the heart of everything is that I acknowledge God in Christ came to serve me. That blows everything apart that I've ever been taught. How many altar calls were answered, come and serve the Lord. 
You can't serve the Lord until you've let him serve you. Oh, wow. Oh, that's good. Yeah. In fact, well, I want God to use me. Use you? That's what the master does with his, the master chef. He uses his spoon. He uses, God uses you like you're a piece of nothing. He just picks you up and uses you and puts you down again. Where did you read that in the Bible? Yeah. It is God who serves us. And Peter had to learn. It's not me with my strength. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to show him how much I love him. No, only when you've let him kneel at your feet and serve you. He told him that. He says, I'm your shepherd. I've come where you are. I've come inside your lost, your troubled, your terrified soul. I'm there, Peter, I'm there. I'm not outside condemning you. I'm inside serving you. I am your strength. I am your strength. It isn't that your strength is now presented to me as something you're supposed to be proud of and I'm supposed to thank you for it. I am your strength. And when you've come to the end of your strength, you'll find my strength is bigger than all of life. I'm your clear sight. You're half blind. I am your faith. Boast in your faith. I'm your faith. The whole of your life. It isn't that now under these circumstances and being troubled that you're grabbing for a straw to hold on to and then when it's all over we'll, we'll be back to normal. No. He says, I am your life. Good days, bad days. I'm your life. Without me, you can do nothing. Ooh, that means Christianity is not that we're performing to get the attention of a critical father and hope that he'll notice me and be pleased. But rather, I in my helplessness have been picked up into the arms of Jesus and he in me and I in him and for me to live is Christ. And you cannot define me for one minute outside of me being in Christ and Christ in me. There's nothing there unless Christ is in me and I am in Christ. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Your heart. It's a biblical word for the very core of your being. It's where all life originates. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the whole issues of life. Let not. Okay. So he's not dealing with exterior stuff. Much of religion deals only with behaviors. It is actually, they don't preach the gospel. It's behavior modification. Yeah. And um, this is quite the reverse. 
In actual fact, I hope no one gets offended, though it's a bit late in life to ask that, but, um, you know, if you read through the scripture, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do not seem to be as concerned about behavior as I am. We we judge people by their behavior, and um, we judge them sometimes by what they're wearing or not wearing. But it's and, and Jesus seems to be blind to it. He's he, because he comes for the heart. You can change all your behaviors. I mean, you can change all your behaviors, and absolutely nothing changes. It's your heart he's after. It's your core. It's where the life comes from. And he says, trust me. He doesn't give us a pill to quieten the symptoms. This isn't some divine Tylenol that will heal a troubled heart. He's going to get inside your trouble. And he's going to take it to himself and be troubled with your trouble. He's going to carry it and you to death and raise you to a new life. It's not not an external fix. Nor is he doing something for us in some heavenly somewhere nowhere. And then he presents it and says, if you've got enough faith, you could have it. He comes inside of us. He is the faith. He's the faith that takes us to death and resurrection. And then he says, I am your life. And we in absolute helplessness, let it be so. Let it be so. The shepherd has got to go inside the lostness of the sheep. Only when the shepherd went into the wilderness found the sheep, sat down beside the sheep, and was as lost as the sheep. Except the shepherd knows the way out. But he had to come where the sheep was and share in the lostness of the sheep. Do do you see what I'm saying? So now, Peter, when you're facing this, or when it happens, trust me. That is, don't be afraid of me. Don't think when it happens, I'm going to club you. Trust me. I didn't tell you this just to upset you. And when it happens, I'm not upset. I knew this about you since the day we met. So I'm not upset about this. It's you, Peter. Big mouth, little action. (laughs) blind and deaf to who you really are and who I really am, the whole nine yards. But I love you, Peter. That's the way I chose you. That's the person I knew you to be when I chose you. And you should wait to see yourself when I'm done with you. Yeah. So now, Peter, trust in me. And when it happens, trust in me. Trust. Listen carefully. Trust demands the one we trust is living now. 
and is immediate to us. I cannot trust a dead person. Seriously. You can't trust someone who's dead. They're gone. Serve their generation. They're gone. You can't trust them. I cannot trust an absent person. Not really. A person I trust must be eye to eye with me. It's, it's, the way it is. it's a relationship. Trust is a relationship. And hear this. I cannot trust a book. I can't trust a book. It's not a person. I can trust the author of the book. But I can't trust a book that hangs in a vacuum. Think about that. He said, you believe in God. Believe also in me, 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 a person, living. God with us. He says, I've come into your darkness. I've come into your troubled heart. I've come into your raging senses. I'm here to save you from yourself, to make you a new creation. Amen. Trust me. Trust is other-centered. When you're troubled, the default is self-pity. Poor me. He picked on me. Poor me. I'm not like all the others. Poor me. Whining. I'm troubled. I'm looking for a pity party. Did you get my invitation? (laughs) Yeah. If if you trust... Now, you see, you're getting to it now. If you trust... It's because you know a person well enough to trust them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, trust is a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not a head thing that I believe that. Trust is a relationship, which means that it's going to grow. And I'll trust more next week than I do this week. But it's that relationship to a person but it's not just a relationship, it's, and I'll use the word abandonment. Mm. What I said 10 minutes ago, it's I let go. Mm. I, I'm, I'm trusting that person. There's an interesting verse in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart, <laughs> lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, he will make your path straight. That bit, lean not on your own understanding. It refers, in actual fact, to holding a cane. Um, You know, before I had the surgery on my leg, I I held a cane too long. (laughs) But when I was holding it, the idea of letting go of it, hmm, I won't say it was terrifying, but it approached it, that, that if I don't have that cane, I can't walk. And so I lean on my cane. We all lean on our cane of, I can do it, I can handle it, my promise holds good. 
And as far back as Proverbs, it says, throw away your cane. Lean not on your own understanding. Rather, acknowledge. And that word acknowledge, you see right in the middle of it, it says no, K-N-O-W. Acknowledge, no. No means to have an intimate relationship. It is saying trust, what we've been talking about, with all your heart. Throw away all expectancy of yourself. Stop leaning on your own understanding. Know him in every minute of your life and he will make your path straight. And that applies to every one of us. Not only to Peter, and not only to those that are going through what Peter went through, but every one of us. This is how you live this life. Trust in me, which means I'm going to trust his love. And we trust his love, especially in a meeting like this. It's very easy. Everybody, we all believe God loves us. Um, but when you're troubled, that's the last thing you think of. Um, you're, you're questioning, first of all, why did you let this happen? Why did you make me like this? We blame God for the trouble and we blame God for ourselves. And the last thing we think of is that God is good and God is love and he loves me and I live in his embrace. Trust him means I abandon myself to the all-embracing love of God. He never, ever stops being there for us. Why? Because trust is a covenant word. That's why we don't know much about it in America. There's very little trust in America. There's a lot of suspicion, but I trust you, but but trust real trust is born of covenant you know we've talked about it I won't take time to do it again covenant is not contract contract has if in it covenant is I love you I give myself to you and it's a matter of life and death and so there was the cutting the bloodshed to say by my own life, by my own death, I swear never to leave you, never to forsake you. So this is not an unpredictable relationship. I I know this doesn't, and I really, I'm not joking. I know this doesn't apply to most of you here. But these messages go out to the world, to many places. And I'm going to state it very clearly. Our relationship out of which comes trust, is not an unpredictable relationship. It isn't that I'm wondering, am I pleasing God enough? Is he in a good mood today? Walking in the Spirit is not walking on eggshells. I'm in covenant, and he, by his own being, God cannot leave me. He cannot forsake me. He's not, okay, Jesus is not just dropping by. And that other terrible expression is used in the church. He, he showed up. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, 
you know. <laughs> Carl, you showed up. That your plane is running, you'll be out of here. When you, you show up, you, you come with an overnight bag. And probably an airline schedule, if you have to leave in a hurry. Um, and then you'll be gone. And then we had a meeting there, and God showed up. Oh. Can you see? Silly little words, but they destroy trust. Because if God only shows up, I can't trust him. I can enjoy it. Boy, he was there. We had a good time. But you don't trust him. Because God only shows up. I I define God's presence by how I feel. No, I don't. I define me by who God is. And that's the end of it. So there's no fear of being rejected. I mean, religion actually brings about the fear of rejection. Religion fuels your sense that God will not be with me to the end. But the gospel is the absolute guarantee based on the blood of Jesus that he never will leave you. Let me read Hebrews 13. We've done this before, but it's worth a read. Hebrews 13, in the Amplified New Testament, it says, For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not, in any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. That is literal from the Greek. That's the only way you can say it in English. It's a continual negative. I will not, not, not. So we take comfort. We are encouraged. And we confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm, fear, dread, terror, trouble. What can man do to me? Trust. Trust means that two are joined as one. Shared life. I'm hurt. The one I trust is hurt with me. Only they can encourage me. Give me strength. And as I say, this verse that we're looking at is at the head of that long conversation that took place through chapter 17. And really that is also, that's what he was saying. Right, um, in the next verse to this, it says that where I am, there you may be also. So Peter, when you are saying you never knew me, I'm there. I don't walk, I don't walk away from lost sheep or silly sheep. I just, I'm there. Well, you know, read it yourself. The whole of those verses in chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, speaks of our union with the Father in Christ. And it, it's, it's seamless. It isn't that he's alongside of me or has half of me. I am in him to the point where we cannot really say where he begins and I end. We're in him. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
Well, you go to a vineyard and try and show me where the branch begins and the it's 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 one. It's inseparable even when we fall. Look, um, I, I'm going to use an illustration that has been doing something for me. If it doesn't do anything for you, would you just quietly flush it down the toilet? But if you catch what I've seen, um, it, it began right here. Because zooming fascinates me. You know, we, we're over there in the corner. It's where we can see you guys. And, and I, look, I, I'm looking right now person in Hawaii but well, come on Hawaii and it's immediate we didn't have to get to Los Angeles and then get a plane to Hawaii it's immediate you follow me and at the same time hear me now you've had a good look at them turn around and at the at the same at the same at the same time hear me at the same time as I am with Laurie in Hawaii right now at the same time I am with Pepin in Venezuela Amen. I could keep going to Scotland to North Africa yeah, no, hold it. Don't get too excited yet. Um, I want you to feel that. We're so used to these modern technologies, we don't think about it anymore. This is my now. And in my now, it's 11-something on Sunday morning. That's my now. In Hawaii, what is it? Five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning? I don't know, but you're back there somewhere. And over there in Scotland, it's five o'clock in the afternoon. And that is now to them. So my now and me sitting in my now with all that happens in my now, I have actually come and sat down in Hawaii immediately. So that my now has come immediately into Laurie's now. Amen. And Laurie's now has joined with my now. It, it really... It hit me in the last few weeks. It started with Andrew and Marshall, um, and they they were visiting with a pastor in Australia. Now we're getting serious. That's 17 hours ahead of us. <laughs> Andrew preached. Well, last week they uh, started the Bible school, they use our notes, and um, they had the class, and, and they wanted me to greet the class and introduce the course. And 
And so five o'clock in the afternoon, I sat down and talked to people that were living at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. I mean, instantly. I didn't have to say, well, it's rather a long way. I'll get there in about 10 minutes, you know. (laughs) Instantly. No time. In fact, I'm beginning to wonder what is time. I am instantly in a now which is tomorrow. They are hearing a voice from the past. (laughs) But it's in the present. (sighs) Well, what, what are we saying? I'm saying that we have touched with the tip of our little finger what is the life of God. You see, in a historical sense, Jesus died 2,000 years ago. And we have to emphasize that, for that was the historical event. But in the Holy Spirit, yeah, in the Holy Spirit, he... And the entire finished work of Christ is immediately present to me here. I am so immediately present, I can say that I am crucified with Christ. You said that too quickly. What on earth did you mean? He died 2,000 years ago. How can you be crucified with him? Because there's another dimension there is a dimension which is more real than our time. It's a dimension in which I am immediately present to what we called 2,000 years ago, but what in fact is now into my now. But just a minute. My now is Bandera. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit is present in Hawaii and Venezuela and all over the place. And, And... That changes everything. Because most prayers that the church has prayed in the last so many years assumes we're not there. And so we pray to get there. Oh, God, send whatever. You've got to get to somewhere. I'm not there yet. And religion loves it. And they bring in, oh, yes, if you do this and if you do that, you'll get there, get there. Which we never get there because there's no there to get. The Holy Spirit is in my here. He's in my now. You see, I said to trust the person has to be here. If you're going to trust, he's going to be immediate to you. And all your trying to pray history, it doesn't work. But he is here. I mean, (laughs) he is here, the Holy Spirit. I think this is part of what Jesus meant when he said, it's better for you that I leave. 
When I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. When the Holy Spirit will come, there, something will happen that is greater than what I have done. And I say it very seriously. Life in the Holy Spirit is greater than what the historical Jesus did. Because now we are immediately present to the ascended Jesus in the Holy Spirit. And of course, Zoom is but, you know, it's a marvelous thing. But but it's in terms of what we're talking about, it's a stumbling, bumbling human invention. I said, go with a little finger wet trying to understand what is the way God is. But he is immediately present to all. And all that he has said and all that he has done is immediately present in all the power and all the energy of his love right now. And so we don't try to get something by doing stuff, but just by realizing, awakening to, he is, it is so, it is so. He's really here. He's really now. My heart is troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And he's saying that to me exactly the way he said it to Peter. It isn't I'm reading something. I'm hearing him now say that to me. Only because he's here and now, it's not words on a page. It's a person who is speaking that word into me and said, trust me, trust me. And in trusting, just give up your control and give up all the imaginations of your strength. So Jesus is not a faded photo from 2,000 years ago that you'll find in some religious antique shop. He's invisibly present in all my times, in all my troubles. And he just says, trust me. The Holy Spirit is the genius of all this. It's in the Spirit it happens. And if we X out the Holy Spirit, as the church attempted to do in AD 600, which has been confirmed to us by religious leaders in very recent years, that the Holy Spirit exited, gone, they wonder why they don't understand the scripture. Have you noticed, now I am getting myself in trouble, um, that... If you don't get what I'm talking about, you're going to look at this incredible life the Bible speaks of, and you're going to say, that's heaven. Because it couldn't happen now. And what enrages me, with the most godly rage, but (laughs) it it enrages me that in, look, I've got a, a very good translation, the New American Standard. But you get into their new, the big New American Bible. They have put in headings. Yeah. They have no right to do it. They're publishers. Yeah. What right have they got to put in headings? You know what I mean? They tell you what. When, when, and some of the headings on some of these scriptures, it says, the future hope of the believer. 
That's not a future hope. It's a now. Now. Throbbing in this moment. Now. Oh, no, you you got to wait. you go got to heaven when you die, you see. No, you missed it. Missed it by a million months. The death it spoke of is your death in Christ. And it's speaking then of your resurrection and your ascension. You don't wait till heaven when you die. You go to heaven and you never die. It's when I trust in Jesus, all that we've said is heaven is made real to us in the Holy Spirit now. Trust in Jesus and you go to heaven before you die. Ah, not bad, eh? (laughs) Yeah. This is what the Eucharist is all about. Um, What we're doing here is what in the Bible is called remember. Well, he said, do this in remembrance of me, which those of you that know what that means might have recognized it already. That remember in the Bible is not to try and send your mind back. It is to take something that is there and bring it into the present and redo it and let the Holy Spirit release all its power, all its promises, all its love into you right now. It's it's not looking back. It is bringing back into now. It's a time warp. That's the meaning of the word in Greek and Hebrew. Come on. Yeah. And the the early church, see, they, I I tried to clumsily illustrate it with Zoom. Well, the early church didn't have that. And so they tried to explain this. And they said, when you were baptized and you came up the steps of the, the bath in which you'd been baptized, And they would pour the oil on your head and be filled with the Spirit. And they then said, you have entered the eighth day. Eighth day. There's no such thing as eighth day. And they would say, we know. Human time is only seven. But you're entering into a time which does not relate to the days of the week or the months of the year. You are entering into the eighth day. And um, and I, I believe it. You're there, even as he is, all he did. And that's why I can come to the utter end of myself, which is terrifying because I believe then that's the end of everything. But instead, I discover I've connected. I, I reach now to another dimension, which a living now person yes. is my life. Yes. And in his strength and his faith, I can let not. Mm. I, no, I disallow. That is not the way it is. Yes. Christ is my life. Yeah. yeah. I remember... I had lots of young guys who were in my church in Brooklyn who were drug addicts. Uh, well, they they came to us as drug addicts. And this one guy, um, he said that, you know, he'd, he'd come to Christ, but he'd never really had a confrontation over drugs. He had stopped it, stopped taking drugs. 
But he said then his, his pusher, the one who sold him the drugs, came to him and he, he put his penknife in, into some heroin and he lifted it right up in front of this young man. And he said, tell me the truth. He says, you know you want this. He says, you know you want it. And he said, I'll give you, I'll give it to you. And, and he, the, man, the young man said he felt the, yeah. yeah, his flesh said, we do want it. And he found himself putting out his hand and says, oh, no, we don't. We, oh, no, we. And he said that was the last time he had any serious confrontation. No, we don't. No, we don't. Well, there it is. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Well, then believe, trust in Jesus who is God with us. And then where I am, there you shall be also. Thank you, Father, for the wonder of your gospel. We never get over it. We continue day after day and week after week to be amazed. We stand in wonder. That which eyes have never seen, ears have never heard, never entered into our heart or imagination but you reveal it to us piece by piece. Yes. Thank you. And we receive now for all of us that which is now ours, the eyes of our heart being opened, and we shall see clearly the hope to which we have been called yes. and shall know experientially the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe. That's the way it is. Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.